Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15, Hummel's War. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ah, yeah, the product line. Sunbury Motors got all the great ones. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory. All with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. A sales staff that works with you. Now, do they want to make the sale? Of course they do. Right? But how do you get repeat sales? By being really good at working with a customer. You have to care. You have to care. Sunbury Motors, they care. And a fabulous service department. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. We're fresh out of Yankee highlights. Uh, So this will be our play-by-play call today. Sergeyev, off for Johnson. Colton rings it around. Maroon waiting to accept. Fed the line for Shannon. That goes in the net. Luke Shen in the lineup and on the board with a goal. Ryan Pollock was such a hero in game four. Pull that off the goal line. We'll see this for years. And then he just hits Eberle. He can he can barely get off the ice. And then this one goes off him and in. And you go from being a hero in one game and you feel like you can't do anything right in the next. Uh, they lost 8 nothing. Nobody did anything right for the Islanders last night. Nobody. Tampa Bay did everything right, but it's but you know what? It's one game. It's one game. Now they go back to Uniondale with a chance to win the series. Back to Uniondale where the Islanders are thinking about forcing a seventh of the deciding game. Suns play tonight. Chris Paul won't play. Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers won't play. As the NBA just continues to march forward with a lot of people watching. It's not good when you have more players watching than actual viewers on TV. Not good. With that, we bring in the prince of football knowledge, Neil Kulon. And As always, it is great to be here. I appreciate you guys on this uh, fine late June morning where the NFL is, as always, the, the front landscape of all sports right now we, we know how much there is going on and how exciting it all is but that's uh that's what we love about it right yeah uh exactly uh now this one of course uh, hits very close to home because carl nassib played here at penn state came here as a walk-on busted his backside i mean you talk about work ethic to get himself a starting spot then a first team all big 10 and then to be drafted and now becomes the first person to declare that's an active player to, uh, to be gay in the NFL. Everyone has to make their own choice as to what to do. Carl, for the most part, is a pretty private guy. But, Neil, I mean, just in the, the, the scope of it all, what did you think when you heard about the announcement? 
Um, I've kind of been of the, the belief that at some point someone was going to do exactly what NASA did. Um, I, I wasn't going to sit and project uh, who I thought might or whatever, but uh, it, it's well known within the NFL that there are uh, players who, who have disclosed their homosexuality to teammates. Yeah, uh, none that have come out public uh, while they're under contract with a team. Um, you know, it, it, for a, a veteran like NASA to do that, I, I think it, it's it's great for uh, the idea that, that there are people that can you know really actively start to just move past this because the vast majority of the people I've talked to about it, what they would prefer is just that it was out in the open. And the thing that they don't like is the the swell of questions that's going to come with it. Um, everyone in that locker room is going to be asked about it. And my thought always was like, all right, well, that's going to last a day or two. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to get it occasionally from that point on. But top to bottom, teams have the ability to kind of control the narrative when it comes to these sorts of things, especially with the use of social media. And I think that's exactly why NASA did what he did. In fact, he, he, the, the way that he came about saying it, I thought, was perfect as well. He just basically said, hey, okay, well, just so you guys know, I'm gay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's the best way to do it. It's really kind of saying, let's just acknowledge the elephant in the room here and let's, let's you know, I, I'm doing this for it, which I think is great as well. He donated $100,000 to the, the Trevor Project, yep. which I, I think is a, a phenomenal um, outreaching of, of support, care, and concern for, yes. for anybody. Yes. Um, for him to do that, I think he's demonstrating that he's a leader on and off the field, and it's also something that – I feel is respectable, regardless of where you stand on it. I don't think there is anything that anybody could uh, really accuse him of. Um, he's not looking to, to garner attention. He's really just kind of making a step forward in a, a conversation that needs to be stepped forward by now uh, in the sphere of the, the NFL locker room. Oh, I, I think it's, yeah. it's high time that this has happened. And it looks to me like it, it was done in a very appropriate um mm-hmm. You know, very inclusive kind of way. I mean, it really there wasn't anything negative about it. Uh, with that, I, I think we'll see that it's definitely a story. It definitely is something we should talk about, but it doesn't have to have uh, such a polarizing stigma. I, I think he helped everyone do that. First day of training camp, he'll be asked about it, his teammates will be asked about it, and maybe in some other training camps will be asked about it. I think after the first day, I don't think it's going to come up again. Yep, I, I agree with that completely. I, I've seen situations like yeah. that. It's it's the it, it's the story of that half an hour, yeah. and then it's going to go away, mm-hmm. and and it'll just kind of for certainly for the assembled media, the, yeah. the local media in Las Vegas that are covering the team on a day to day basis. They'll all get their questions. The story's going to be written. Yeah. After that, though, I you know it's it's whatever. I don't think you'll have a ton of follow up, but yeah, there are some new ones that are going to come in and ask the question. And yeah. it, it's not overall that that it's not going to consume everything. And with that, I think there are going to be others that that might come out and say the same thing as well. But you can see um, taking that first step. Now you you can see what. Uh, the national reaction is going to be kind of the, yeah. the, the direction of the narrative of all of it, how teams are handling it, what's better to do, what's not better to do. It, we, we can get through a lot of the stuff that I think really is just that that's what's been holding up a lot of players from, from exactly. you know, being open about that. Right. Um, I, I think everybody knows that just because none of them said it, that doesn't mean there aren't any. I mean, right. I, there, there are several. Um, it, it's really just a matter of what's appropriate, uh, what what's going to be, the, the best way to do this for the person making that announcement and from there how is this you know how should this be handled 
um, how much of this needs to be made into a thing within the media, within you know the, the narrative of of, uh, of all of it. And I don't think it's too much. I think this is really the best way to uh, to kind of jump off that that platform and get into something that you know probably should have uh, should have been an issue. With, uh, it should have been dealt with a long time ago. And I'm just I'm glad that it's something now that it's out in the open. Well, I think this is how how it'll happen. First day of training camp, he'll have to talk about it again several times. Teammates will. Then after that, goes away for a bit until they, they're on TV. First time they're on TV, you know darn well they're going to sit down in either an in-person or a Zoom call, and they're going to, because as you and I both know, TV creates narratives. Right? They want to create stories. So the first time he's on TV, first time he's on Fox, First time he's on NBC because the Raiders um, the Raiders are on Sunday Night Football, right? We all know they're on Monday Night Football, and you know they'll definitely do do something about it. First time he's on CBS because everybody will want to get their questions in to then talk about the story at some point in the broadcast. I mean that's how it's going to go, uh, and then after a while, by the time you get to October, nobody's nobody's going to ask him about it again because I've already gone in and talked to him about it. Yeah, I think that timeline is pretty pretty much spot on. I, I'd add to that though that uh, the, the one-on-one interview requests for John Gruden, I'm, I'm sure right now, have quadrupled for yeah. what they're already in, in an astronomically high rate of, of uh, requests. Um, you get through that, it, perhaps it's a, a Mike Mayock and John Gruden sit-down yeah. interview. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Whatever it is, yeah, it, you're, you're, you hit it nail on the head. It, it, the TV part of it that, that will create uh, more narratives and that will drive up um the, the discussion points around the time of that interview but yeah. this is something that really is going to flatline eventually um it, it will narrow out when the football season gets going and if if it's the situation where the raiders come out of the gates oh and four maybe somebody says something but uh, right. by and large it's going to be just really chatter uh, mm. you know uh, chatter without much of a purpose Beyond those big right. pre-national, uh, nationally televised games, whoever it is that lands mm-hmm. that interview, right. um, they'll they'll get you know their 15 minutes with it. But it, it's honestly really not. It, it, from what I've gathered uh, within the media, from what I've gathered within locker rooms and just you know fans in general, yeah. I I think it's a talking point that's going to go away. And the thing that mm-hmm. I've always said is the, the at the point an NFL player will come out. To, to make their announcement, that story will have maybe maybe two percent of the shelf life yeah. of uh, 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 say in this case Lamar Jackson, who's probably next up to sign the big quarterback contract. Right, um, a, a player getting traded. People tend to care far more about the football stuff yeah. when the football stuff happens. Aaron it's when Rogers. the football stuff is not happening. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how I missed that softball. Whatever with Aaron Rodgers, yeah. that will have far more yeah. uh, of, of a, a drawing storyline attached to it now than, than Carl Nassib will. Um, if Carl Nassib wasn't even on, I mean, obviously he went to Penn State. I'm speaking to the wrong audience here, but outside of that area, if Carl Nassib wasn't on Hard Knocks, I don't think anybody would really know who he is. You right. know, he, he's mm-hmm. a he's a solid player. He's a veteran. I was kind of surprised that year on Hard Knocks that uh, that the Browns didn't keep him. Um, he's been a, a reasonable veteran in his career. I don't know how much time he has left. And I think that's probably why he's making the announcement now. But by and large, it, it's, uh, it, it really just isn't going to be that big of a talking point. I mean, right now it has to be because it's news. I mean, you really can't, uh, can't define news better than that. 
uh, certainly within this climate. But when when football is happening, people tend to talk more about football. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the football part of it. This will be the first season they go to 17 games. You and I both know that management wanted badly and campaigned for several years to get to 18 games. How long do you think we stay at 17, Neil, then we go to 18 games? Because the, 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 the owners want it badly. You and I both know that. They want the 18th game, and I think their best bet in, in pursuing that uh, was to go for the increase of two right away. They have historical precedent to it. Um, it it's clean. It's easier to, to give both teams a, a home and away game. You could have some um, you could have some dispute within ownership, at least, um, certainly at the football operations level, the idea of having to play one more road game than, than you're getting a home game um, every other season. It, people might not like that as much. As far as selling the players on it, um, I always felt that dangling, going for two games with the idea of we can accept one game, it, it's probably the, the strongest bargaining chip that the owners had. And in this case, what I'd say is they get it again. I mean, they, they really can dangle the one game out there uh, for really anything. They, they can have that be uh, the, their kind of primary weapon in negotiations, whatever it is that they come up with. Um, if they want to tack on another game to whatever the players want, they have the ability to do that. That That is a way to silence the players' concerns on, on whatever it might be. Um, or they, they could say that we'll give a big concession to the players because we really want this other game. So it, the owners having it outstanding, I still think, serves a, a strategic um, bargaining purpose for them. They would definitely want the second game. They want five games if they could get it. You know, two is one more now is reasonable. Eighteen game schedule is what they've had their eyes on. They've been fixated on. Um, I think this gives them kind of a tactical advantage uh, to either deflate a, a request being made by the players or to to get something out of a concession that they know that they'll have to give eventually. So, as far as the players are concerned, I think now. I mean, you look at you guys teased right right before this segment that uh, you know college football is looking to, to expand their playoff field. We've all known that was going to happen at some point. Right. You know, it, it, there, there's a lot that comes with that. But they're tacking games on. Alabama eventually is going to play a 17 game schedule. So right. you can argue that the college that the players coming in are now better prepared for a season that's longer than 16 games. This is the perfect time with that union. Um, to, to negotiate, I mean, they're not going to be able to just do it. They're going to have to give up something to get it. But they can push to 18 games because the college level itself, for not, you know, obviously a small percentage, but the, the culture of it is the idea of playing 17, maybe even 18 games at some point. So the, the college players are going to be used to the idea that this is how long it goes. Um, you're, you're starting to bring them into the fold. The rookies now will play the 17-game season, and they won't know anything different until it goes to 18 in the NFL. So you, you, you're laying the groundwork for it now. I, I think that's probably the stronger long-term move for the owners as much as um, they would have liked to uh, been able to get that uh, implemented this year. I, I think there's, there are a lot of other things they need to clear out, and eventually it will go to, to 18. Uh, we have become used to uh, a preseason where we got a pretty good feel about mm, you know, first game, maybe they play a series or two. Um, then second game, couple series. Third game, maybe get to almost a half. Fourth game, play none. Any idea how Mike Tomlin wants to work a preseason this time around? No, it's so hard to tell. 
um, without having any last year and the, certainly the start that the team had, I would think there would be some um, top to bottom. I, I think that the start that they had without a, a, a real training camp, without preseason, they came out of the gates looking pretty good in, in, in some ways. Not always, but they're also a, a pretty good team on paper. Uh, it shouldn't be a total surprise, but if you're Mike Tomlin, you can't look at that and ignore it. Right. You can't say, well, that was something we just had to do. You learned some things. He would not be in the position he was in if he didn't learn from, from the things that he was doing on a minute-to-minute basis. So I, I like to think more strategically for the Steelers, it, it would be better if they look to, to incorporate a lot of what they had done uh, last year. I, I think a lot of it, too, was you were forced to kind of wrestle from the mat up mm-hmm. in that uh, we couldn't do these things. We weren't going to get the most out of our rookies right away. We have to modify what we're doing, and with that, we have to be very thoughtful about how we're approaching this. You can't ignore that information. Whatever it is that you learn from it, right. um, they, they did a, a, a If you base coaching and training camp really on the early start to your season – which I know plenty of people would tell me that, that Mike Tomlin's a terrible coach. They say all the time he doesn't do anything in training camp because they start two and two. You know that that's not good enough. Well, they start you know eleven and zero. I, shouldn't you praise them for that? Or are there things that they did do that would work better? I, I would think he would take that into account. Um, that said, I, I don't know how much participation in preseason games uh, it will affect many of the players who are there anyway. Right. Agree. Um, the, if if you are a star player and you're really young, those guys are going to play all the games. Because Mike Mike has always been about that in the preseason. I mean, there there was a time Bud Dupree, Bud Dupree, and, and T.J. Watt played all of every preseason game. Um, the young guys that need to get out there and get reps and, and work on conditioning, uh, he puts them to work in those preseason games. Um, ben hasn't played, I don't think, in, in two presidencies now, really in the preseason. <laughs> so you, you know how that's going to go. Um, they always bring in 19 different running backs during during camp, and usually the fourth one is the guy that's going to rush for 100 yards in that last game and then get cut in two days. So you, you get a good idea of, of typically how they operate. As far as the starters go, um, they'll get the work that they need and, and whatever that is. I, I think conditioning is important. I, I do think that uh, Tomlin emphasizes that above anything else when it comes to preseason work. It's not so much the performance. It's about them getting out there, getting sweaty and getting their heart rate up, you know, making sure that their their cardio is good, that they can, you know, take and dish out some hits here and there to get their body ready for the season. But overall, as usual, I don't think there's a whole lot we're really going to tell from the preseason games mm-hmm. uh, as far as what they're doing with the team. Well, um, I won't be here next week. So um, what, do you, what do you say uh, the 6th of July we kick this back off again? I'm free. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good. So two weeks from today back. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll send you a postcard from Guadalajara. Yeah, you're going to Guadalajara. Wow. Nice. Uh, you're, you're really branching out. It's the only country. It's only it's the only country that would accept me. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. You can cross that one off the list. Right. Don't call me when you're in jail. I'm, well, no, I'm just hoping they let me back over the border. All right. So... <laughs> Get, get your cardio. Huh? Suddenly, out of nowhere, I'm the only guy they turned down. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm a resident. <laughs> I I had a buddy of mine years ago, years ago, and he and another friend 
two friends of mine, they cross over, they go into Mexico. They're coming back, and they're letting car after car after car. And, they, and you know, I, obviously, it's some sort of random search. So they stop him, right? And he's looking over, he says, what are you stopping me for? <laughs> he says, I'm from Philadelphia. They're <laughs> <laughs> just souvenirs. Uh, be good, my friend. Enjoy the 4th of July, and I look forward to talking to you in the 6th. You as well. Thanks, guys. It's a true story, by the way. Two of my friends, they go over. I think they went over to Tijuana or something like that. And they're coming back. And, look, it was just, you know, random. Like every, it probably was like every fifth or sixth card. And it, it turned out that in the lottery of of life, they they were the ones that end up getting, like, the full search. Um, and and they're going through it left and right. And he, he finally looks at and he is a, one of the greatest guys in the face of the earth, but after a certain point, he doesn't put up with much. How about that? And he finally had enough, and he says, I'm an American. I'm from Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, this is now, we're going back like this is like 15 years ago this happened. This didn't just happen or anything like that. It was like 15 years ago. He's like, and again, it was just one of those, okay, guys, run check every sixth card today or something like that. And it turned out he probably was number six. And, you know, you know. Uh, he said, they kept this. He says, oh, I said, looked over and said, did they keep you longer after? He goes, yes. I said, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, best in pre-owned inventory. Sales staff, awesome. Service department gets the job done. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. So the college football playoff 12-team model now gets a summer review. It got rubber stamped today in Dallas for the summer review. The next meeting is not really scheduled until September 28th. Next up, nothing yet on name, image, and likeness. That committee is meeting today and tomorrow. The next, the first day they can actually have something that's voted upon is Monday, the 28th. I saw that and I said, that's it. I'm going on vacation. These guys aren't doing anything. Much to Matt's chagrin. Matt's like, what? What do you mean going on vacation? You never go on vacation. But it's much deserved. So, then there was this story. Uh, Back during the season, I told Matt a couple of times, and I mentioned on on the broadcast, that you could just tell Wisconsin was having an internal problem on the basketball floor. You know, and Dick and I were talking one day. Said, "Man, these guys don't like each other. Something's not right." 
Well, now we know. Well, not only that, what makes this worse is somebody, you know, somebody recorded it probably on their phone, and then they sent it to the newspaper. Really? What does that accomplish? So the Wisconsin State Journal says it received a 37-minute audio file. Now, there's more to this than just a couple of players. It's everybody on here. So, I mean, let's get into the more detailed story of this. And again, part of this is you could tell they were having a problem. I mean, you could just tell. I mean, Dick and I could see it right away. There's something not quite right. So seven senior members of the basketball team met with Greg Gards back in the middle of February. Nate Reaver said, Coach, I just said, quote, I just feel like, Coach, we don't have a relationship. In my mind, it's too late for that. I personally don't think or feel like you care about our future aspirations. I can't talk to you. I just don't want to talk to you. After this, Coach, I don't know what type of relationship we're going to have if we have one. Demetric Trice, brother played at Michigan State and was the leading scorer on this particular team, one of six seniors who opted not to return to Wisconsin for 21-22. See, Dick and I thought in December they'd be the one team that would get everybody back. It turned out they got almost nobody back. He called out, Demetric Trice called out Guard's approach, specifically in the meeting, and said Guard would need to make a big change. Micah Potter who had started his career at Ohio State and had transferred in. He cited a meeting the previous season in which Guard apologized in tears after the abrupt departure of Kobe King. Ultimately, Coach, we just want the guy that came to us last year and apologized in tears. I'm not saying you have to cry and apologize, but that was honestly the biggest turning point last year. We felt, wow, we can play for this guy, we can relate to this guy. I feel like the disconnect this season is we're not playing for you right now, Trice said. We're not here to build your resume, Trice said. Said. Now, Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez issued a statement in support of guard. Uh, He said, I coached for a lot of years. And the idea that someone would record and edit a conversation between student-athletes and their coaches is extremely disappointing. Only senior Brad Davidson elected to exercise his extra year of eligibility and return to Wisconsin. But he's on the tape, too. He said, we desire a relationship with you where you know who we are, that you care for us, that you value us more than just on the basketball court. We want that and feel like we've lacked that in certain areas. Hmm. What do you think of that? First of all, the fact that we have access to it, I agree with Barry Alvarez. I think that part, you're supposed to be... You often hear, whoops, you often hear uh, 
coaches will talk about with their student athletes about the concept of being a family. I mean, I know we've tried to talk to the guy in the corner office about that. And, and basically he said to us that he's dad, we're kids, and he has 51% of the vote. I just, you know. I reminded them that. S-U-I-T, that spells suit-da. I reminded them that we're on the air and we can make fun of them any way we want. So, <laughs> And we have. Do you see what I see? They constantly do talk about, with their players, the concept of family. And when you're in tight proximity with people all the time, that's important. So, again, remember the early part of the show we were talking about Carl Nassib, and I said, put yourself into somebody else's shoes. Think about yourself, then put... You know, then put yourself into their shoes, how you would be thinking. All right. So you can do the same thing here. The company you work for, the people you work around. You know, are there certain members that you know, certain individuals feel like family? Matt feels like family. Right. Um, Matt won't invite me to anything, but he feels like family. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. Now, when it comes time for gifts for the kids, I'll get an invite. I know how it operates, okay? (laughs) But, for example, uh, Jack, him, and I feel like family. I mean, this is 22 years we've been working together now. Dick Girardi and I feel like family. You know, this is going to be, we're coming up on 18 years working together. Where you, it's somebody you depend on, somebody you can confide in, somebody you can talk to, uh, and that that means a lot. The players, the really good players, want to be coached, but at the same time, I think you feel like you want to have the ability to go to your head coach and confide in the coach. Now, here, of course, they're confiding in the coach, and somebody leaked it, so that that's the violation of family right there. But all coaches have to have an open-door policy. It's just the way everything is today. And we are in an era where the freedom to transfer is all over the place, which means you constantly have to think about re-recruiting your own players. You can't take anything or anyone for granted. Also... As much as you want to delegate, I think a head coach has to ask himself or herself now, how much can I delegate? Part of the Kobe King problem dealt with the strength and conditioning staff. Now, the coach isn't down there with the strength and conditioning staff. And by the way, there are certain times of the year where the coach is not allowed to be down there with the strength and conditioning staff. Okay? There are certain times of the year where the strength and conditioning coach has all the contact and the head coach in terms of being out of now. The player can go to the office and talk to the coach any time, but the coach can't be down there with them in a coaching capacity. Only is the strength and conditioning coach. 
But Kobe King's problem arose with the strength and conditioning element at Wisconsin. But you have to have an open-door policy and have to be able to talk to your players all the time. You have to give the impression that you care. Now, you may care deeply, but your personality may be such where it's like, okay. You have to make the extra step and like, hey, come on in. Let's talk. Let me hear you out. What do you think? All right. You know what? I hear what you're saying. I'm not quite sure that's right. Or you know what? I'm hearing you out. Then we need to make a change. Okay. But you're constantly having in this era to re-recruit your players. And I don't mean baby them. You know? I don't mean baby them. Even little Luke, almost 18 months old, you know, all the hugs from mom and nothing but tough love from dad. It's like, okay. (laughs) I suppose some families, that's balance. Hit the ball! Hit the ball! What are you, baby? (laughs) Um, Actually, he is... What? He's still a baby. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Come on, run. You got the football. Move. Uh, Do you think in a year and a half you you should have put him into the eight, nine-year-old flag football league? He seems kind of, you know, small. (laughs) Matt's always trying to advance the ball all the time with Luke. All the time. But... If that's what you have to I mean, all the time, it's not that you have to baby them, but you have to have an open-door policy and listen to them all the time. So you have to constantly be listening to them, making sure that you're in tune with them, hearing them out on certain issues, finding out if there's a problem or not a problem. Oh, and by the way, while still getting ready for the season. Oh, and by the way, while still getting uh, recruiting for the future. Oh, and by the way, checking out transfers of other teams. You have to do more today to be in touch with your student-athletes on an everyday basis than you ever have. Or else you're going to get into a situation like that where they get to be seniors and they're sick of you. And Dick and I saw it right away. We said we both looked at each other and said there is something not quite right with Wisconsin. I mean, we picked up on it right away. And this team doesn't like each other. Remember what we talked about a long time ago? That when you're when you're doing these jobs the old Red Smith advice, be there. When you're there, you can pick up on these things. When you're doing it from 30,000 feet, you can't even see a single house from the sky. Back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. So you're telling me in no uncertain terms the dog had enough and went on vacation? I guess so. He always looks at all the pictures that Michelle puts out. Looks like a really happy dog. The only time he looked like really like depressed. <laughs> guess who else was in the picture? S U I T. That spells Suda. Dog looked like he was a hostage. All right, so this <sighs> it's amazing how dogs have so much in common with humans. Yeah? No? <laughs> sure. What do you mean, sure? You're in the staff meeting, you don't feel like it's a hostage situation? Come on. That depends. Depends. You know what I, whenever I'm in staff meetings, you want to know how much I ever say in staff meetings? Nothing. You want to know why? The less I say, the quicker we get out. There you go. <laughs> I've had people say to me, say, you don't say anything in staff meetings. I said, why? Well, I, I said, I'm trying to go back to work. I said, this isn't work. I said, we're in the staff meeting to make you feel better. I said, that doesn't help me. Doesn't help me at all. <laughs> I'm I'm just sitting here to justify your job. <laughs> it's like gay. You know me, I've said that before. I'm just here to justify your job. Yes, you have. <laughs> All right. So yeah, a lot of news. Uh Carl Nassib talked about it beginning, college football playoff talked about that. Name, image, and likeness talked about that. <clears throat> Look, the NCAA is something I want to get into with Dennis Dodd. I think the NCAA is at the end of the road here. What keeps the NCAA relevant right now are two areas. Number one, their ability to run championships. It's not just the men's tournament. They run 87 championships. One, to run championships. And two, nobody likes going through the messy uh, investigation part of schools that potentially are cheating. So they kind of let them do that. Mark Emmert, the fact that he is still there, I find to be one of the more remarkable survival stories in the history of jobs. 
He has made a lot of money doing nothing. What has he done? Swaggered and made a mess here. But what has he done? Is the NCAA a better organization today than the day he took over? That's always, when you ask about what anyone has accomplished in their lifetime, is the organization better than the day they took over? Okay? And we're a perfect example of that. Roger's dad, phenomenal, right? Roger then took over. This organization is better today than the day Roger took over. Because he did, he has such an innate feel for it. Right? So one of the highest compliments you can give anybody is whatever you're doing better now than the day you took over. With the NCAA and Mark Emmert, can you even remotely come up with a defense to say that the NCAA is better off now? In any way, shape, or form? They're on their last legs. Where's their relevancy? The most powerful entity in intercollegiate athletics is the college football playoff. The NCAA has nothing to do with it. That is a $600 million a year contract that when they expand it to 12 has the potential to be a $1 billion a year contract. Now, to the credit of the NCAA, they got CBS and TBS to combine on a deal that ensures the NCAA men's basketball tournament into, what, 2032. But as an organization, all they do is lose in court. They never win. They never win. They don't, I mean, and part of the reason they don't win is that, I mean, he is the equivalent. When Emmer takes the witness stand, whether before Congress or in court, he's the equivalent of bringing in a closer with a 20.28 ERA. The opposition counsel can't wait for him to testify. 